0: CrossTracks case management system. That is what we are talking about today. Are you using a case management system? What are you waiting for? If you don't use a case management system, you really need to look into implementing that into your business regimen. I've been at it with CrossTracks now a little over a year, and it's just been a game changer for my business. They are SOC 2 certified, SOC 2 type 2 certified. If you don't know what that means, it means that they're encryption system is second to none and you have to go through a whole screening process to figure out uh, if you can even qualify for that and they have so you know with certainty your data is being protected i don't think there's another case management system out there that offers that same ability to have the SOC 2 type 2 certification as you guys know i've been uh you know singing the praises of crosstracks and uh, i really believe in this product and i believe you should check it out contact Brad, contact Pat, uh, one of the team members over there and see if it's right for you. CrossTracks case management system, check it out today. Are you overwhelmed
1: with your current case log? Could you use some help with your skip trace assignments? With Merlin Locate services, rather than adding staff, you can add an entire skip trace department of licensed private investigators who specialize in skip tracing. Check out merlinlocate.com today. When you work with Merlin Locate Services, you bring on a valuable experience and trusted extension to your team. Welcome to PI Perspectives. Today, we have a mini round table. Matt chats with Arizona investigator, Steve Mason and Arizona accident site reconstructionist, Joey Catone. The guys discuss how an investigator and accident reconstruction engineer can have a symbiotic relationship. Learn some tips on how to make your investigation company more full service. Let's check in with the guys. Please welcome Steve Mason, Joey Catone, and your host, Private Investigator Matt Spare
0: and welcome to this episode of pi perspectives this is matt spare your host i'm here in new york and today we're traveling to arizona Uh, so a couple weeks ago i had a conversation with steve mason a very well-known private investigator in arizona and we were coming up with show ideas things to talk about and uh, steve had brought up the idea of talking to an accident reconstructionist so we thought it would be cool to do like a little mini panel so Today, we have a mini panel. We have Steve uh, with us, and uh, we also have Joseph Catone from Santan Recon in Mesa, uh, Arizona. So I'm going to welcome both you guys to the program. How you guys doing?
2: Good. Thanks for having us.
0: Great. Great. Uh, thanks for being here. So we're going to jump in quickly with Joe. Give me a little bit about your background. I know you have a law enforcement background, but tell me a little bit of how you got into the business and uh, what you're doing now.
3: Sure. I worked 20 years with Mesa Police Department and retired as a Vehicle Crimes Detective. Uh, We did uh, full backgrounds in in traffic investigations, commercial vehicles, DUIs, uh, collisions obviously. Uh, Once I hit that 20-year mark for me, it was about that time when you wake up the one day and say, you know, I I don't have to do this anymore. And it was always in the back of our head that we were going to do our own business. And I I say we because my wife is very much a a part of it, having been a crime scene specialist uh, supervisor. Wow. Uh,
0: That's interesting table talk. (laughs) (laughs) dinner.
3: Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, actually, yes. Um, and, And she corrects my photos quite regularly. Like, she likes to review them and say, well if you'd have done this. awesome. So
0: So (laughs) how how long have you been in marriage counseling, buddy? (laughs) Don't answer that question. (laughs) Don't answer.
3: (laughs) You know, I'll tell you this, though. We're coming up um, next week. We'll be married 25 years.
0: That's awesome. God bless you.
3: Yeah. I think it was part of that, like when you go into law enforcement, like like in any real career where there's, um, ship work, right. You yeah. become past ships. Yeah. And I think that that was a secret to, to at least 20 years of it was that we hardly got to see each other. So I would tease regularly and say, Hey, do I know you and <laughs> is your husband here? <laughs> and so, you know, it was,
0: I do the same um, thing with my wife and she looks at me <laughs> and she goes, I'm sorry. I'm spoken for
3: <laughs>
0: shot down. I was-
3: my wife says well, well how much do you make exactly
0: <laughs> that's awesome
3: <laughs> so at any rate um yeah after 20 years we decided that that, that was it it was yeah. time to do uh, our own thing our boys are getting older and yeah wanted to be a part of their lives more before you know they go off and do their stuff so yeah. i started doing the reconstruction i had i had planned on the business before retirement so there was already uh, a setup. And then I was really fortunate. I met uh, Rich Robertson from R3 Investigation yep. here yeah. in Arizona. Yeah, Rich is awesome. Yep. And it, I love Rich. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and it was at a uh, lunchbox training that he invited me to host that I got to meet Steve. And I would tell you that that's probably the best connection I've made in. in my post law enforcement career was rich Robertson and Steve Mason. And so that was it. We we sort of uh, started working together quite extensively and it just became a really good cohesion. That's awesome.
0: Well, that's quite an introduction, Steve. So why don't you jump on and (laughs) no pressure. Tell us a little bit about your background and what you do.
2: Sure. So like Joe, I spent 20 years in law enforcement. Um, I started with the Illinois secretary of state police working highway. I was an investigator there for a couple of years Transitioned over to the U.S. Marshal Service, um, held a, bit, a bunch of different positions there. You know, I was I worked as the coordinator for the organized crime drug task force, Philly homicide. Uh, finished up in a national security uh, unit doing um, human intelligence and background on human intelligence sources, um, which was really good because I really kind of learned how to do deep backgrounds as opposed to just running the classic NCIC like a lot of law enforcement officers get. Right. Um, Eventually I had transitioned into uh, wanting to do PI work. So I started, you know, researching it, figuring it out and opened my own company, Mason Investigative Solutions. Um, started it in 2016, but didn't really get going until uh, the beginning of 2017 because I still had some commitments with the DOJ. Right, right.
0: So your, your clientele, what type of uh, uh, people do you work for, businesses?
2: Um, about 90, probably 99% of our Clients are law firms and specifically either criminal defense or plaintiff personal injury.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. I I think those are probably the two biggest uh, uh, avenues for investigators to get business from. Um, I I chose one or the other. I figured I couldn't do both. Um, (laughs) So I picked plaintiff personal injury. It's just, you know, it's where I was before. So before I started my business, so it just made sense for me. And I'm probably 98% Plaint of personal injury. I mean, every now and then I'll get a phone call for something that, that, you know, I used to turn away and now I just, you know, I, I, I lean into NALI and I lean into NCISS and, and you know, my my resources around the country to, to not turn turn work away. So it's uh, it's been really awesome. So, um, Joe... Talk to me a little bit about the transition uh, from working for a police department and, and the training that you receive there. And now you, you're on your own. How do you stay on top of things with training and making sure that you um, understand all the latest technology?
3: When you're with the police department, there's an expectation that you're going to get training, and certainly there's a budget that allows for it. Right. Um, but with that budget, it also they have to budget for uh, other detectives coming in. So new detectives, there's there's a lot of Transition, you wouldn't think so, but there is. Right. And so, at some points, what you realize is that there's uh, the senior detective, which I had become, uh, gets pushed aside to train the younger detectives. And then there's a, with with limited budget, you you have to have them trained. And so, uh, it, it was that way. But being involved in that and teaching even at the academy, it always kept training as a focus for me. And so, transitioning out to privately what I ended up doing was kept the same resources. So, um, like IPTM, international police training and management out of Jacksonville, Florida, it's still there. It's, it's saved on my bookmarks in my website, or I'm sorry, on, on, uh, the internet. So I can go right there, look for upcoming training. Um, I'm part of several associations. And so I look for those and, and then recently in the coming years, it's, it's been, or in the past year, it's been, um, You know, online training Mm -hmm. because the in-person training hasn't been there. And it's just, what do I need? What do I hear other people talking about when I work with private investigators? What are they seeing from their clients? Because it expands my my worldview, right? My immediate clients are not the same as what Steve would have. And so he tells me, you know, my clients are seeing this or they're asking about this. And then I I pick up on those cues Mm -hmm. and I look for training that might assist me And getting that information to them, even if it's not something I can immediately get paid for, but it's something that I could become a resource.
0: Yeah. And I know like when I started my business, I was a little bit in, and I have relationships with a lot of people in in NYPD and New York State Police. In fact, one of the guys that works for me is a retired New York State trooper, and he's amazing. (laughs) I love this guy. Uh, But I have those relationships, and I I establish a relationship kind of like what you guys have, in New York, there was a guy who was retiring from the highway unit, and he, he decided he wanted to hang a a shingle on, on the side of his house and start doing reconstruction. And then I saw that as a huge marketing opportunity. And, and Steve, you, what's, you can tell me about this a little bit too, if you had the same experience. Where, when now I was going to meetings, I'm saying not only are we you know, in investigators, but we have this whole other part of our company that actually does reconstruction too. We're like a one-stop shop and we can handle everything. And it absolutely did lead to to more business. Steve, did you have the um, the same experience with them?
2: A hundred percent. Joey and I, we actually, a lot of times we'll market each, each other, you know, to our different clients, but it's gotten to the point in Arizona, a lot of the law firms, they almost see us as a team. So they have mm-hmm. new clients, new cases coming in. And yeah. it's not uncommon that the attorney will call both of us and say, Hey, can you come for a new client meeting together? Yeah, um, We've kind of come up with a joint outline for investigating fatal wrecks that just the attorney's love and they've been forwarding it to other law firms. And, you know, we, we kind of approach it as a team effort. You know, we both have overlapping duties and then we have duties that are separate and apart, but yeah. you know, I'm, we're always conscious as, you know, as an investigator, I'm thinking, well, what, what ultimately is the reconstruction that's going to need? And right, you know, we're, so we're playing both of those. You, ha-
0: you have to do all that. I mean, and I'd learned a lot going out with this guy cause he would take me, you know, to go to, you know, auto yards and look at wrecks and, and, you know, pulling apart vehicles and stuff to look for and uh, going out to site and, and looking scrapes on the ground, you know um, you know, where debris fields were and making sure you're documenting everything. And one of the things I thought was, was really, really fascinating. And Joe, you can, you can speak on this next. So the age of a vehicle and the type of metal and, and like how old it is and you know, you're talking about now force and the, the age of the vehicle as a factor uh, in the computations and, and all that like that just like my mind just went poof, you because know, like wow I didn't think of that and it was so long ago they didn't have all this neat uh, set up the tripod and have the you know uh, whole laser thing go over and do it like we would literally would create grids on the floor uh, around the vehicle and, uh, and and really just measure everything out so uh, tell me a little bit about uh, your experience with that Joey.
3: You know, we, we ran into that in, 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 in government agencies, right? So we're working with Mesa and equipment would fail. Yeah. It just, we, there was no budget for it. It wouldn't get repaired. And so you had to have that skill set. And so it went back to bringing out the 150 foot fiberglass measuring tapes and, and setting up a grid pattern and yep. then measuring off of that. And then even to where you can measure accurately and recreate a curve in the roadway. Yeah. And, you know, think of cul-de-sac. So... We do do that when you when you think about um, going out into the field. You have to have some of those resources available to you. So it's not just the total station that you can set up and take measurements. It's if that fails, what else do I have? Sure. And then it is taken into account the age of vehicles, the even the age of the roadway and the type of asphalt yeah. that it occurred on, right? Yeah. And so um, w- without you know geeking out on you completely, if a vehicle leaves the roadway from asphalt goes across sidewalk and then into grass and ends up into the sand bunker at a golf course. Well we have to account for all of that right? yeah. And so those are some of the things that that, that do come into play. some, some speeding. Certainly, probably. Oh you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> probably probably some speeding <laughs> involved. You know, it uh yeah it's it, that never happens.
0: No, right? no, never.
3: <laughs> uh, but but certainly you do take those elements in yep. and um and we can take in. And there was a time and there's still vehicles now where we just can't get data it's just yeah the vehicles are old they weren't designed that way yeah
0: and that's the other thing that's really impressive uh when it comes to reconstruction for for me anyways is the amount of cables that you guys have to have and the, the thousands and thousands and thousands <laughs> of dollars that you spent on said cable that only works on one particular <laughs> type of vehicle uh it, it's got to be incredibly frustrating yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah. A- ask about any Reconstructionist who who has for the, the what you're talking about is like the Bosch CDR kit, which yeah. is collision data retrieval. Ask anyone who bought cables for a Suzuki car.
1: Yeah,
3: yeah, because yeah. you know, at, at a couple hundred dollars a cable, there's a lot of Suzuki still running around on the road, aren't there? No.
2: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's a quality vehicle, man. <laughs> <laughs> Those things never rolled. <laughs> never. Nah,
3: completely understated. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It's the uh, the Maserati of the, oh, <laughs> the small vehicles.
3: <laughs> I didn't wear my tall boots today. Yeah. You know, we yeah. want to be careful.
0: It's crazy, but you know, I I think to like investigators will say, "Wow, great! I should really meet a reconstructionist." You know, where do I find one? Like, how does how does that work? So for me, I mean, discovering inspections. Right, you get called by a client to go out and basically watch the. Uh, engineer pull apart the car that happens plenty of times in in my line of work and I'm I can't I'm always talking to people right so I just start up conversations with people exchange cards uh, and that's how you meet people and that's how you network Um, now you guys met at a a particular event right and you had said that earlier Um, where where are some other places where an investigator uh, and an engineer can pretty much meet other than LinkedIn because that's another great place too
2: yeah. I mean, like you said, LinkedIn's a good spot. Um, I, th- I think another another good avenue is as you're working on cases with your law firms, you know, just pay attention to who they're hiring for that particular case and reach out and say, hey, you know, you know, even if it's a situation where you can't talk about the particular case, but like, hey, you know, I noticed we're on the same case, just wanted to connect and maybe, you know, just offer to meet up for coffee or a quick phone chat and you know, it's, it's kind of a numbers game. You know, you, the more cards you throw out, the more people you connect with, you, you find people that you gel with, but you know, going back to your earlier comment, I mean, you can really increase your business. I mean, mm-hmm. I bet since meeting Joey, my business has probably increased 30% easily.
0: Let's see. Joe, you got to try harder. He needs uh 40, 45. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm, a <laughs>
3: yeah, right. I'm a little shocked <laughs> at those numbers. They kind of low. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Truth comes out here, right? You guys are gonna have a whole different conversation when we're done today. Yeah, yeah Steve,
3: I'm gonna see you on Zoom later on,
0: okay? <laughs> yeah. Whoops, we'll just edit it out, dude. It's okay. It's all good. Um, but yeah, I mean like having that relationship is good. Um and, and LinkedIn really is a good place to meet. I know I've come across a couple people, like folks that I, I have never actually personally met but we connected on LinkedIn and had some phone conversations and there's a one guy, he's not a a reconstructionist, but he's, he's an engineer for like steps and stairs and, and, uh, and all that. And uh, we had a a chat and I was actually, uh, it it was funny because I was going to have him come on the podcast. I was like, Hey, this would be really interesting. Kind of similar to what we're talking about here today. Let's do that. And he's like, okay, I just need to talk to my lawyer. What do you mean you got to talk to your lawyer? Why would you need to talk to your lawyer to come on a podcast? And then he's like, no, like, I, you got to understand that I'm an expert witness and that when, when it's announced that I'm going to be on the stand, the other side does incredible due diligence and they will pull up your podcast episode of me talking and if I say something on there that's contradictory to what I'm testifying about or that like it could potentially come back and and harm me you know Uh, I was like okay well that kind of makes sense it's like someone going to a doctor talking about the mechanics of their accident and that ending up on the medical records and now they're testifying about how the accident happened without having their attorneys (laughs) present I get it; it makes sense. I was like, "No problem." <laughs> and he talked to his attorney, and the attorney said, "Okay." So <laughs> I just never had him on. So, um, but very interesting, uh, Joey. Have you ever seen that experience where um, you know you really got to be careful with uh, being in the public and what you're talking about, and and being quote unquote the expert to talk at events and stuff?
3: I have, and you try to generalize. You, you try to address your audience, right? right? You don't want to be so generic that it looks like you just, you really kind of only surface to know what you're talking about. Right. But at the same time, you don't want to get too much into in-depth detail. And I think there's even a challenge when you start teaching those classes um, because you're teaching it. And now if you don't testify correctly the way you teach it, uh, you're going to get challenged on that. Yeah. It's
0: coming to play. Yeah, the inter- I had it actually. The internet sucks. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well,
3: yeah, it's, I'm glad you brought that up. It, well, I was going to say it. I have a website. And right. on my website, have a frequently asked questions, and these are things that had come up throughout my law enforcement career. Right. You know what? What is a black box? Does my car have a black box? Those right. kind of things. Right. And one of the questions right. of is, should I go to a doctor? And and my reply, my answer is, if you feel ill, go go yeah. to a doctor. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm not in the business of telling people not to go, right. but that's come up where they say, well, you're not a biomechanical engineer, or are you a medical professional to be able to determine if somebody has to go to a doctor? And I'm thinking I have four boys at home, and if they're sick, <laughs> we take them to the doctor. Right? It's just, you know, uh, somebody's got to keep the lights on over at the at the uh, emergency clinic, so it might as well be me. But but it does. It's Something is where we're we're kind of giggling here. As minute as that sounds, yeah. it's something that would come up later. Yeah, and so certainly, and I've had uh, attorney clients that when I've been interviewed to accept a new position or, you know, a new case, they'll tell me about other uh, experts that they've uh, gone after because it looks like their reports are the same each time. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I, and so that, that that's another aspect of it.
0: That's something to be careful about or somebody that they only work for one side and not the other. Like they'll come hard at, like I get that all the time because I do plaintiff only, you know, why do you only I, I work for plaintiff? That. You know, it's, <laughs> it, it's exhausting. But the, the, the thing is, it's like, never ask a question that you, you don't know the answer to because my response to them is, Oh, you know, well, the defense attorney I used to work for asked me to manipulate photos and they asked me to like rearrange witness statements. And I didn't oh, think oh, that oh, was oh, ethical. Oh. So I decided I'm never going to work for a defense firm anymore because they're not ethical. So the guy looks at me, and goes, fair enough.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Uh, it oh. happened.
0: <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, just, just crazy. and, you know, it's the minutiae of that, too. Like, I feel that this happens probably more on the defense side, too, because it's Bill Blowers. Like, I've had people go to my website, and I'm... and they'll they'll ask me questions about things we're not even it's not even the context of what i'm testifying about or or, or being deposed about like you know i was doing one for some photos i had taken at a, a ymca once and they started asking me questions about independent medical examinations and i was like this is ridiculous right You're like obviously it's billable hours that this guy's trying to like we spent 20 minutes talking about imes <laughs> i got i go to him i <laughs> was like you you obviously looked at my website and he's like yes i said can i ask you a question and he said what I just redid it like two months ago. doesn't look good. Did you find your way around easy? You know, is there anything I can do to bump up my (laughs) SEO? (laughs) He goes, you made your point. I'll move on. (laughs) Uh,
2: That's awesome.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was ridiculous. You know, it was like literally hours and hours of of stuff. So um, uh, how about you, Steve? Um, Do you have the um, uh, I guess, do you testify on accent related cases on the work that you've done a lot or, or not really?
2: Um, you know, I don't really get a lot of calls for accident cases. A lot of our cases, you know, and probably like the large part of most civil cases, they 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 seem to settle.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, you know, I've gotten some notices for depositions, and a lot of times those cases resolve themselves before the deposition comes up. Right. Um, you know, we get the occasional subpoena for our files, which of course is always protected because we make sure we have strong letters of engagement that clarify that you know we're we're collecting attorney work product. attorney
0: work product. Uh, yeah, that's pretty clear. Cool. Um,
2: but, you know, that does come up and that that's kind of a good point because we get a lot of calls for from private individuals who haven't hired attorneys and they kind of want to get a jumpstart in their case. And we never take those cases without an attorney being involved. Yeah. And I, I know a lot of PIs do and I lecture, not lecture, but I'll talk to a lot of PIs I know do that and say, hey, you know, you might really want to think about protecting your client's work product because, you know when those subpoenas come over, it's not just, hey, your reports, your notes. it's oh, we want private conversations. We want text messages. We want emails to the yeah. client. And you know if you're not protected, it's Deficient. potentially potentially those are coming in. and yeah. you know clients, clients sometimes come with some baggage and they're emotionally involved in some of those text messages don't really look professional. You know, yeah. you had to release them. So, yeah. um, so, so
0: here's my policy on all that stuff, right? The name of my company is satellite investigations. I get calls all the time from people wanting to get the satellite image of their accident that happened 15 years <laughs> ago. You know, like, I, like it, it's just crazy. Literally they got the tinfoil on their head as they're, they're calling me on speed now. Right. <laughs> So my policy is you don't have an attorney, I'm not working with you, go hire an attorney and have your attorney call me. Two reasons. I know I'm going to get paid, and I know I'm definitely cutting through a lot of the nonsense that's out there, and I don't have my degree in psychology, right? I cannot counsel people, Um, and even like dealing with matrimonial stuff, I try not to do that too, because... You know, as soon as you catch somebody, then the, your client says, oh, it's my fault and blah, blah, blah. And they're back and forth. And next thing you know, you're having daily conversations with them, trying to talk them off the ledge of, of doing them. Like, I, I can't do it, man. you like, you need professional help. And uh, <laughs> I'm not that type of professional. So, uh, yeah, good times, man. Interesting. So that's the policy. Work with attorneys only. Uh, I I would say not a hundred percent of time, but you know, 98, 99% of the time. That's, that's the way I'm rolling and I just don't want to touch anything. So, um, okay. We're going to tap out real quick for a break. And when we come back, I really want to talk about, the mechanics of the relationship between the investigator and uh, the engineer and, and how that works and what that looks like. And then, you know, going through, you, you guys had mentioned earlier uh, that you have a procedure, almost like a checklist. Like, I, I want to talk about that, what that looks like. So,
1: everybody sit tight and we'll be right back. Want full data access without a site inspection? IRB Search gives you full Social Security numbers, dates of birth, up-to-date contact info, and so much more without the inconvenience or cost of an inspection. As an added bonus, you can access IRB data on any device in any location. You'll always have the best data anytime, anywhere. Visit IRBSearch.com and use exclusive promo code PI Pod 2021 for a free trial and 100 credits. Offer available for new and returning customers. PI Perspectives. Today, I want to talk to you about the
0: Investigators Toolbox. Many of the folks who listen to this program actually have already signed up and have joined this online community for investigators and the investigative community. It's a place to go for networking, it's a place to go for continuing education, uh, watching webinars doing your continuing education credit. It's a place also to read up on uh, the latest trends in the industry, stay on top of all the news articles. It's actually supported by some really, really great businesses that support our industry. They're offering discounts and benefits actually for your membership. And then the the OSINT catalog, We've got a huge OSINT catalog that you can make your own private library. You essentially pick and choose what you want to be in your library, um, however you do your research. Check it out today. It's uh, www.investigators-toolbox.com. Listeners of the show, if you use the code PIP201836, you'll save an extra 20%. percent investigators toolboxcom
1: Check out the PI Institute of Education at PIinstitute.com. Since 1989, Kelly Riddle has been teaching on subjects such as surveillance, nursing home investigations, insurance fraud, domestic investigations, hidden assets, and accident scene investigations. The PI Institute of Education is a featured learning partner in the investigators toolbox.com. So check out the free content on the site, then visit the Institute for more great savings on additional classes. Congrats to show guest, Chris Salgado. Chris dons the latest cover of PI Magazine and highlights Cyberpole. The issues available today. And welcome back to Pi
0: Perspectives. This is Matt Sperry, your host. Uh, today we have Steve Mason and Joey Catone. I almost said Canton, <laughs> thinking of the comedian uh, Joey Catone from from Arizona. Uh, how you doing, guys? Welcome back to the program. Doing good. Okay, so when when we uh, we're, we're going to take a break, we were uh, talking about that relationship of of between the investigator and the uh, reconstructionist, and you know basically how that that well, how that works when you first get that call. So walk me through. Uh, a scenario. Let's say, Steve, you got a phone call from an attorney. He said, "Massive pile up, um, um, you know, outside of Phoenix. You know, I need somebody to to go and, and get to work here. So, what's your approach, and how do you how do you tackle this?"
2: Sure. So, we, we get those call, calls quite a bit, and you know, usually it starts with uh, a couple items that they need done, like hey, you know, see if there's any witnesses, chemist the area, stuff like that. Okay. Um, inherently i immediately kind of jump to hey yes we can tackle that have you also thought about right. the, the upsell you know? right
0: so you get into the yeah. upsell yep
2: yeah definitely the second sale um mm-hmm. but you know a lot of that stuff you know even though it's uh, the second sale it's important stuff that kind of needs to get documented right away that maybe they haven't thought about or they just overlooked um so i have kind of an outline that you know i just i go through with them and say hey here, here's some other things based on our experience, you know, with these things that we would recommend. Yeah. Um, you know, I get to the point where I say this is where my limitations cut off, and this is where you know an accent uh, reconstructionist or accent scare would come in. Right. And then I, th- I throw out you know Joey's name and company to the attorney if they don't already know him.
0: Right. Right.
2: You know, and I, I start trying to get Joey involved as quickly as possible, and you know, I'm sure Joe will speak to this, but a lot of times it's just an initial consultation with Joey just to kind of learn a little bit more about, Hey, where can this case go? What are some opportunities that he sees? And we try to set up, you know, a quick call just to kind of round table the assignment before it even starts.
0: Yeah. And there are different approaches here between plaintiff and defense, right? So if it's plaintiff, you know, there may be a hesitation to make that investment because, Oh, well, we don't know what the insurance coverage is yet. So it does not justify, you know, pulling out all the guns I've got some clients like they don't care if it needs to get done. It needs to get done. I have other ones that are a little more gun shy uh, when it comes to that. Um, so uh, the other thing too is, is you, you brought up a good point, right? Talking about all the different options, things like that, like turning a crazy busy, you know, like they're, going to court, they're, they're, they're actually doing legal work, drafting, you know, members of law and bill particulars and all that other stuff. Like sometimes they, they got so much going on in their head, they don't even think. So it's like being able to throw out these ideas is like, oh, yeah. Or I didn't know you do that. Oh, you could do that. That's pretty amazing. You know, like, oh, you know how to get that stuff? Like, that's great. Yes, let's do it. So you're educating them on on all the things that are available. I mean, that's just that's smart business, right? You know, talking and putting all the options out there. And I think on the defense side, you know, now you're talking about we need to, like, you know, mitigate the risk here. So what's the budget uh, and what's the, the pain threshold as to what, is, how much how much we're going to throw at this before we just throw the policy out? I think is, is something you got to deal with, too, uh, to see if it's even worthwhile for them to try and defend the case or just pay out the claim, right? I would assume that those are the types of questions on that end, right?
2: Yeah. And, you know, one of the advantages I think we have as private investigators is we work with dozens of different law firms. We probably have, I don't know, close to 40 law firms that we work with. And so you see all these different game plans and every attorney approaches things differently. And getting to work with all those law firms, you start to pick out what's good, what's bad, what, you know, from all these different law firms and how they work. And so you kind of incorporate that into your own plan. And like you said, it's a lot of times they, they're they like, oh, we didn't know you could get that. Or we hadn't thought about that angle. Yeah. You know, like we get a, we get a lot of truck cases that we work with Joe, you know, and it's it's sometimes there's negligent hiring issues like the driver should have never been working for the company to yeah. begin with. Yeah. And you start to go into all these different areas that maybe the, the law firms haven't thought about, you know,
0: social media searches, you know, it's their, their what they post about the type of groups they're part of you know, what they do yeah. on the weekends, you know, that kind of stuff. Like sometimes they, they get crazy about that. They really want to know um, the character of the person. But yeah, I have a good friend of mine out of Pennsylvania, a guy named Gary Wilsh, um, and uh, he specializes in doing the truck stuff. And he does a lot of that, you know, just background on the drivers, especially you know, after the fact, you know, it's like, okay, let's go back and see if there are any negligent hiring practices um, or training or, or things like that. So it, it is a different animal, uh, when you're dealing with that stuff, because there, there's so much money in it with, with the insurances that are involved in these vehicles. I mean, go ask Tracy Morgan, I'll <laughs> <He'll> tell you, I'll <laughs> <laughs> tell you how yeah. things are going. So, um, so, so Joe, for you, um, you know, I would assume that, you know, it, you're not just working with Steve, right? So that you probably have other areas of, of, um, you know, people that, that refer cases to you, um, you know, that you network with other investigators. Um, so do you like, do you attend investigator, like association events, um, as like a guest or, or speaker or thing like that? How do you, how do you foster those relationships?
3: Well, I I do. I'm actually a private investigator as well in Arizona. I have my license and agency license as well. And I, so I do, I belong to Alpi and then I do attend, um, some of the conferences, I've been a guest speaker at some of those conferences, and that's how I make myself uh, available to the investigators or in the community.
0: Right, right. Um, so if there was an investigator who kind of had a similar career path to you where, where they had this extensive law enforcement background, maybe even working on a highway unit or, or, or first state trooper or, or, or something like that. And they wanted to take that next step to to be known as like a reconstructionist. What type of certifications, what type of training, what's, what's the cost related with all that to, to really uh, get into that if you can? So the reconstruction
3: route, well, first, there's no certification. Nobody's going to certify you to become a reconstructionist. You can be accredited, you can have a certain amount of training, and that's really what it comes down to is training and hours. And there's usually a base level that you'll have wanted to attend. And most people, using the example that you provided coming out of the law enforcement um, career, already have that. They've gone to at least a basic uh, collision investigation school, an advanced collision investigation school. And most of those are designed to get the average uh, trooper, patrol officer, deputy, up and running to, to investigate your, your low injury collisions. Then you start taking some of the other uh, schools that are available. And so if you've already gone beyond that, then you look for things like Northwestern Institute oh, or IPTM. And what those do are, they have the courses that you can take. You can take a lot of them online, or you can take them in person. Right. And it's just really, it's math intensive. So, and then with that in a reconstruction, there tends to generally be two routes. You either have uh, generally are former law enforcement officers that have been exposed and spent a lot of their career in that highway division or traffic division. And this is just their aptitude. And then you have those engineers who went to a university and have a mechanical engineering degree or even a biomechanical engineering degree. And so they enter the reconstruction business based with that, that sort of knowledge and training going into it.
0: So in as your, as- your opinion, who do you think uh, when it comes to um, doing, accident cases Uh, and i know it's probably biased but i'm gonna ask it anyways like i see those guys that are out there that have all these big mechanical engineer and like they went that route and and biometrics and all this stuff and they're doing car scene cases i'm just like "Hmm, okay i probably would rather have the guy who's just got 20 years um for a police department and has gotten the same type of certifications uh i don't know if that's my own personal preference but if like i was a juror i would seem like i'm less of a, you know, I do a little bit of everything and more of like, I am an expert on this stuff. What, what are your thoughts on that?
3: You're going to really put me in a corner with I, that because I work with some really Take the fifth really dude, good... take
0: the fifth. You don't have to answer. <laughs> no, no, listen, I'll
3: answer it. One of my, one of my really good friends I worked with a long time. I've known him since high school yeah. and um, his family is a phenomenal family. family. It's a uh, Russell Anderson um, oh. and, and, and the Anderson family was just really good people. And and he's a biomechanical engineer, has no law enforcement degree, but I would tell you that even his brother, Bob, um, Bob Anderson in Arizona, most of law enforcement who know those two brothers consider them in high regard. Um, So I think really what you're, what it comes down to is, is who you're comfortable working with. Personally, my preference is if I was an attorney or I'm as, as a PI, I'm looking for a reconstructionist, I want the, um, I want that law enforcement officer and, and, and here's why it's the at scene investigation. And that's really what it is, is because after that, everybody can be trained and, and maybe the engineer has a lot more, um, set when it comes to doing the math or looking for the, uh, let's say the tensile strength of steel or aluminum or that particular one that was used in Ford, you know, in 2019 versus the Ford from 2014, um, so, so there there does come a difference, and certainly law enforcement's not taught biomechanics. That's yeah. just not what we do. Um, but I want the at scene. I want that person who's been there to see it, who who saw the while the vehicles are still there, the airbags are still smoking, so to speak. The right. you know the, the 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 skid marks are still warm to the touch on the ground. You know I, I I have that preference for it. But I think really it comes down to if you're an attorney or you're a private investigator. Uh, who do you feel comfortable working with? Right. You know, so uh, one of the things I got told, I, Rich Robertson told me when he first met me, he says, you don't look like a cop. <laughs> he says, you, you don't act like a cop. You don't uh, talk like one. And now, now to, to back it up just a bit, Um, at that when he met me I had a beard that was down to about here okay
0: and I had long hair so you were drumming for ZZ Top on the weekend right (laughs) I got you yeah
3: yeah. well you know what that would be close he said I look like an out of out of work biker and which was funny because I rode my Harley to go meet him so I was
0: like (laughs) playing the stereotype nice
3: (laughs) but it's but really it's it's you know, could you imagine that we've met that officer, right? That doesn't know how to differentiate well, yeah. from being home and at work. And, and yeah. it's just they're Joe Friday. Right? Maybe I'm dating myself by using it, but, you know, they're just the facts.
0: Well, at least no. he didn't call you Richard Kaczynski, right? That would be a problem. <laughs> <laughs> so.
3: Yeah. So it, it's just, I think really, really the question, the answer, the best answer is, is who do you feel comfortable working with? Right. And who are you going to be able to present to a jury? Because we know those experts and investigators that are really good at their craft, but when it comes to relaying how they got to where they are or explaining the the technicality part of it, they're a textbook and the jury glazes over and so it's. I think that that's really the answer. Is who you feel comfortable working
0: with. It, it really goes a long way. Um, you know that that whole you know presence uh, when you're talking to other people. You know, because it, it, you can tend to be monotone when you're talking about this stuff, and to be a little more animated about it, and make it interesting for for a jury. I mean, that's definitely a, a consideration. I want to end end around back actually to something we were talking about earlier that I thought was was really interesting. You had talked about like the asphalt. And, and the grade um, when you're doing your investigation not being a factor. And it, it's so important. It's such a great point that you bring that up because especially on the smaller cases, like the, the NBA is not talking about the 18 wheelers and the tractor trailers or any of that, you know, when you're dealing with cars that have small insurance policies and there's there's really some liability here. Um, if you can tie in a design, a roadway design defect that can turn a 25000 or $15,000 case into a multi-million dollar case. Uh, I've seen that happen in New York a few times. And it's so, so important to have somebody that can really go out there. Now, I don't pretend to be any kind of, you know, roadway specialist, but I have been out at scenes and I'm looking at something going, something doesn't look right here. This This isn't right. And I'll literally call my my client from the scene, like pull up Google, we'll pull it, like, or here's some shots from my phone and all that. Let's have a discussion because to me, I mean, I'm not a professional per se with that, but I I know enough to know that something's not right here. So it's a, that's a huge thing to consider. And it was a really good point you brought up before.
3: Thanks. It it does come into play. I think even just, so I, I do have some cases currently that, that are going to involve roadway design or condition of roadway. Uh, So I can't elaborate too much on those, but certainly they have to be considered. And you're absolutely right. Those are ones where you need to get a hold of your client. And and even if you have to text them, right, we have great cell phones. Now look at this and and put it in the right perspective, because I have seen in some cases where the client looks at that and says, that's not a big deal. What are are you talking about, Joey? But then if they get the right photo, they say, wow, that crack looks like the Grand Canyon. I can't believe it exists. So, you have to make sure that your client understands what you see. And then even beyond that, there's certain times some things coming in, in because of case law that yeah. exists in your own home state that yeah. where something that seems minor is a mandatory penalty in, in your home state. And so you do have to take in consideration all of those things. Sure. Roadway designs. Yeah. And
0: yeah. so here's the other thing. Product recall. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, if, if a particular tire has been recalled or a steering element on a vehicle, I've had a few of those over the years where they absolutely were factors. Uh, and I, I'm recalling now this one case, uh, it was a, a Jeep Liberty, not a Suzuki, but it pretty close. <laughs> so <laughs> this guy was driving on the highway and he lost control of the vehicle and he ended up, uh, hitting a tree and, and dying. Right. Now it didn't help that I had interviewed some eyewitnesses that said this guy was like, had flipped them the bird and (laughs) was doing probably about 90 when the accident happened. Uh, So he was driving aggressively. Uh, Apparently he was on his way to like a home Depot to buy something. And it was that one home Depot was closed or didn't have what he was looking for. And he was super pissed that he had to go drive to the other home Depot and was speeding and just being super aggressive and ended up losing control of the vehicle and hitting a tree. So you would think like, Oh, all right, well, bad decision, buddy, (laughs) you know, like no liability here until there was a problem with the steering column. So we did our research and, you know, now we knew what to look for. And it turns out it was a steering column issue. And yeah, you know, it's unfortunate what happened, but now we've got Uh, maybe comparative negligence as opposed to you know you're just flipping the bird and and uh you know driving like somebody uh who's uh in hell's angels you know with beards and and craziness.
3: (laughs) well you know i listen i'm going to take exceptions to the motorcycle riding (laughs) but but, you know it's an excellent point because you don't have to be a reconstructionist to look for that stuff sure NHTSA makes it regularly available and you can look it up by VIN, and it gives you the entire recall history we're down to where I've actually pulled out um, the actual letters that are sent between the NHTSA and the auto manufacturers sure. talking about what's going to be done. Sure. And and so you're absolutely right. And I'm lucky personally, it, I get to work in, in three areas. I've not been... Um, just the plaintiff work. I do plaintiff in civil cases. I do defense in civil cases, and I get criminal defense cases. And every time that there's, we look, we look for recall notices. We yeah. look for, even for the number of collisions or type of collisions that occur on that section of roadway, because the attorney yeah. needs to know that information so that they can apply it as appropriate to their case. So sometimes like in your example of the steering column, yeah. that Maybe there's there's some comparable uh, negligence on that one, mm-hmm. but that might also come into play in a criminal defense case where there's able to introduce some reasonable doubt.
0: Right, so you bring, bring up a good point. So I'm going to keep it local here in New York just because... It's kind of what I do. But, um, so <laughs> there is in New York city, there you go. go to, oh, now, now I really feel bad for you <laughs> folks in the podcast and not on video. He just put up a Jets mug. <laughs> I'm really sorry. <laughs> um, so it, there's actually a website, uh, where they keep all that data, uh, for car uh, crashes at particular intersections and, um, you can access it and you can, you can, foil it and and get it you just need to know where to look for it um so steve let, let's let's have you talk a little bit about um that that form formula that you guys follow um in uh, doing this type of work when the call comes in you're obviously you know you, you've done your, your your elevator pitch and kind of um you know worked elevated the the uh i guess the case to get uh, joey involved on this stuff so what what's your role in this next what do you do next
2: we're kind of looking at a couple different areas. You know, the first thing we're always looking at is obviously getting out to the scene, documenting any physical evidence that's currently there. Um, you know, we, we've been trying to educate our, our attorneys that, look, don't wait 30 days to call us. Call us the day you get these cases because we've had lots of missed opportunities with video, you know? yes, yeah. Phoenix is, I think we're the fifth largest city or fourth largest city every square inch of the city is covered by video mm-hmm. and there's a lot of times there's a good chance if we get involved early, you know, we're getting that video. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately 30 days later, that video is not going to be there. So, you know, we're getting out to the scene. We're trying to figure out, you know, so just some basic things like what happened. Um, we, we immediately start trying to do uh, witness research. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how it is in New York. Arizona public records can take a long time to come in so yeah. a lot of times we're on these things before the crash reports completed yeah so we're scouring social media to try to find witnesses yeah. we're talking to businesses in those areas um
0: the citizen app is great and in like twitter for for a time was great you know like keyword searches um on, on that like oh my god I just saw this you know accident on you know so-and-so road I can't believe this person's still alive like I, I've had some really really good finds doing that and using citizen using Twitter and um, you know, just combing everywhere possible for mentions of that accident. Um, yeah, there's a, I there's did. a real art to it.
2: Definitely. Yeah. You know, and if it's, if it's a fatal collision, like a lot of our cases are either a serious injury or fatal, Mm -hmm. there's, there's news coverage. I mean, it's it can be as simple as going to the Facebook live page for the local news station and just reading the comments. We find so many witnesses doing that. It's ridiculous.
0: Not only that, and I'm sure you both can agree on this, that uh, those photos that are taken by uh, the, the newspaper uh, photographers incredibly important because they're showing you vehicle position we're showing you, you know, what things look like. There was a uh, a one-car accident I worked on up in uh, New York State on the Taconic, uh, again, I'm keeping it local here, um, where the person had lost control of their vehicle. They were taking their kid up to school, to college. They lost control of the vehicle. It was a very icy Sunday, and they ended up uh, rolling down an embankment, and um, the, the wife was a passenger, became paralyzed. I mean, just terrible, terrible, right? So the local news media was there, and they were filming video of the vehicle being removed. Now, normally that wouldn't be a big a big problem. But there was a question about a wheel that was missing. And believe me, I combed that area all over the place in snow, in like a foot and a half worth of snow, looking for this dumb, shot tire, right? <laughs> Which, by the way, we never found. Um, but the video showed the tire on the vehicle. So somewhere between it getting put onto a car and getting brought over to where uh, the, the yard, the v, the tire disappeared. And that was, it was, was it a question of a blowout or was it a question of a steering issue, right? So that was the whole back and forth. And it turns out it was a question of a steering issue. It wasn't the tire, uh, yeah, but we couldn't the, find the, the tires. <laughs> that was the big problem.
2: <laughs> those photos, those videos, those helicopter videos, I mean, they're, they're, they're critical. We had one two years ago, it was a city-involved vehicle. And there was a video that uh, the news had taken it was just a live Facebook helicopter shot that right. you could actually see one of the detectives destroying evidence to cover for the city. Oh, the nice. <laughs> you know, and that, that, that one settled really quick, you know. Um, but, you know, the, another thing that we're, yeah. we're really going to get going on really quickly is start to request the records, right? The different yeah. records that are being generated, because there's more than just the crash report. I mean, there's body camera videos, there's yeah. statements, 911 yeah. calls, the computer aided dispatch. You know, all these things where you find witnesses or additional evidence, um, yeah. a lot of our attorneys will have us debriefed their clients, you know, we're not taking statements from the clients, but we're just, we're going in depth, you know, to find out more. We're asking about, you know, what was their perception and response to the scene? You know, what did they see? What did they hear? What did they yeah. feel? Yep. All these things that during the initial intake call, you know, the, the attorneys or their representatives haven't asked about.
0: Well, you know, that's a good point, Steve. So so one of the the pitches that I make to my clients in in doing that intake work is have an investigator do it. Don't have your paralegal do it. Don't don't have you do it, right? Why should you be in court? Like you need to be in court. You need to be moving your cases. You need to be settling, working on this stuff. Have a, a professional go there who's going to ask the right questions, who's going to prepare a report. Because if you're keeping it internal, your paralegal ain't writing a report, you know. The, the, right. or, or, you know, uh, Frank from the mailroom that goes out to take the photos, you know, where like he, he doesn't know what he's doing, nor can he testify about that stuff. So if you need an investigator later to testify about whatever it is we're collecting you know, you're doing right by your client. I always tell them like, you have a fiduciary duty actually to to spend money on your case. <laughs> like, you know, this is one of the areas where you can spend some money early on and get leverage with um, liability and move on. You don't have to litigate it out. So um, yeah, that was a real good point um, on that, you know, I, just being able to do that.
3: I see that too with when, when Steve and I, one of the things that we came up with and we approach our clients with is that most everybody knows what a prosecutor does in a criminal case. It, you can watch TV and, and get a general idea of it. Yeah. And and because of the law and order and. and
0: how dare you mention stuff. that program, sir. <laughs> There's no truth to that program. <laughs> but,
3: but no, but, but they get a general idea of how things kind of, you know, how the, how your law enforcement investigators work with yeah. the, the attorneys. Right. So one of the things that we bring up is, is that look, when a prosecutor goes to present a case, you know, the prosecutor is not doing all the interviews. Their paralegal is not doing the interviews. They have a whole, they have basically an adjunct team of investigators and experts that do that for them. Right. So they have like the equivalent of a PI that's out there doing the interviews and that's finding the cameras and the security stuff. And then they have experts that are, that are talking about uh, looking for this very specific data, uh, the data set, the elements, the evidence that's going to be used. And so when we do that, that's one of the things that Steve and I present is, look, Steve, when we work together, that's your case agent. Everything, you're running through Steve. And then I'll, I'll be that expert that assists Steve in getting the investigation done so that you as a as an attorney, you worry about, like you mentioned earlier, you worry about court, worry about prepping yeah. witnesses, worry about putting your case together, and then allow that investigator, that PI, to go and do all that other case work right. and present it for you. If it works for a prosecutor, it should work for anybody else.
0: Right. So before we wind down here, Joey, do you have any experience in like dealing with like bar associations with attorneys where, you know, you'll do work and then all of a sudden you end up on their message board and and next thing you know, your phone's ringing off the hook because, uh, uh, you know, someone said something good about you on a, on a board. Has that happened to you? Is that uh, a, a good revenue stream for you to, to kind of make sure you're involved with the bar association?
3: I do have, I advertise in the Bar Association. I just got published this uh, this month on why it's important to hire, more important now to hire an expert or an, an investigator than ever. Right. What I find is that they have like their own listservs. Mm-hmm. And so they'll uh, they'll say, hey, I worked with Joey Catone. And somebody says, I'm looking for a reconstructionist that can do this. And then there's also that um, word of mouth. So I think it is very important that you're as an investigator and as an expert that you do tap
2: the the bar association have That's to. Really yeah. a lot of your clients
3: yeah
0: stevie the same thing for you right
2: yeah i, I advertise yeah. in the bar association yeah. i'm a member of the american bar association mm-hmm. you no know, and i think the key with these associations is just don't join them to put them on your cv you gotta get go. involved you have, you have know, to go
0: Yep, 100%. talk to
2: people take the classes yeah. connect with people on linkedin you know after yeah. the class like you have to you have to you know do 10 times more than whatever it is you think you need to do. So
0: here's another tip, right? So identify folks that are not necessarily the president of the bar association, but folks that are on the board because they all elevate, right? And you start establishing a relationship with those folks. Those are the ones you want to work with. So by the time they get to the, it's their turn to be president. Well, now you're working with the president of the the bar association (laughs) and you can propose a program to teach to them. So if you know people on the board, if you get that credibility of these board members and you now have, uh, you want to put a program together to teach the attorneys, which is a huge revenue stream. You know, they all have their continuing education credits. If you're able to actually teach one, um, that is a huge revenue stream. Foster those relationships with folks on the board um, and open up doors for yourself. And you're, you're right, Steve, you got to be proactive. You can't just pay the dues and then never go to any of the events. I yeah. cannot stress the importance of that um, Goodfellas, hey, he's one of us. He's a good fella. Um, moment that happens at these events because they really do. Because you're paying to be there, right? So you're paying thousands of dollars probably to be a part of the support the the board of so, uh, um, thing. And the idea is that you know we're not going to tell you you have to work for him, work with him, but work with him. <laughs> you know we want him to continue to support the uh, the bar. It's really, really, really important.
2: Yeah, you really have to figure out where your clients are. You know, yeah. one of the things I did early on when I first started is I started doing uh, co- uh, free consulting for the Arizona Justice Project, and you know they're an innocence project. Yeah,
0: it's great, man.
2: But that you know they have these fundraisers and they they, they do continuing education every Friday, and they're their rooms are just packed with attorneys. So, you know, I, I go to those and you know, I, you sit down next to people and, you know, you just start having conversations You start handing out cards, Yeah, go to all the charity events. You know, you're sitting at a table with 20 attorneys. Like, I mean, how valuable is that? You know, know,
0: it's, and they're off the clock, right? So it's great. You're hanging out and you're just having a good time. You're not necessarily talking shop. You're just being yourself there. Maybe you take a jet jet's mug with you. I don't know, Joey, maybe, Uh, (laughs) (laughs) maybe you don't want to do that. Uh, But Another tip before we wrap up here. Just another tip uh, is um, your attorney clients. A lot of them, you know, they they do it right. They make a good amount of money. They all have charities, right? Support those charities. Go to those events that that, that are maybe they have nothing to do with law, but maybe it's you know, you know, they they do a cancer uh, drive or a heart association drive, you know, because it's something that's passionate to them. Showing up to one of their events where you're supporting it with uh, something un- un- completely unrelated to law goes a, h- a huge long way, as long as it's something ethically like you agree with, right? If it's something that you're morally opposed to, and they're asking you to attend, you know, the the the, the satanic meeting of uh, whatever, you know, Azrael's <laughs> meeting on Friday, you may want to avoid that one. But if it's a, if it's something that you can get around, it's another good way to to build those relationships on something that's outside of work, right?
2: Yeah, and I think that's like. I think that's the key. You know, you have to have real conversations, real relationships with these people. It's not just, Hey, I'm trying to sell you a product. It's, it's getting to know them. It's, and it's just generally liking to be around. Like we have, Joey and I have clients that, you know, we go to lunch with them and not because we have cases, but we just really like to be around them and learn from them and just they're good people. And it's, I mean, those, that, that's that's one coming to work really becomes fun because you're just you're you're working with people that you just enjoy being around
0: absolutely makes a huge difference so all right guys we're going to wind things down over here so steve how do folks get a hold of you if they uh, had some questions
2: sure uh i'm on linkedin um pe- my email address that goes right to me is right on my website at mm-hmm. masoninvestigations.com okay uh people can pick up the phone and call you know ask questions i'm more than willing to help people with the business
0: right how about joey if a disgruntled jets fan wanted to commiserate with you how would they get a hold of you
2: <laughs> no such thing as a
3: disgruntled jets fan there's always next year always uh, week one on raw, week one there's
0: always next year yes that's
3: right listen you know i uh, wrote jets was always just end of the season right yeah, exactly. so <laughs> <laughs> um, no you i have i'm on linkedin um actually on 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 facebook i i don't post there regularly but i do have a website and it's santanrecon.com and that has my email address as well as uh well info email as well as my phone number and certainly contact me that way
0: yeah well we'll throw all that stuff in the show notes so hey guys thank you so much for the mini round table this was really cool actually i I think it worked out well and we we even took a right turn and started talking about marketing for a second so (laughs) people may be scratching their heads but this was cool I, i i think the relationship between investigator and engineer really you can't downplay the importance of it it's really really important uh, a great way to help one another grow your, grow your businesses I think it's it's really important so all right guys thanks for your time and thanks everybody for tuning in and we'll catch everyone on the next show
1: take care well this was a fun episode we want to thank Steve and Joey for joining us today it's amazing to see how these two work together real synergy what a great way to grow your investigation company. And we also want to thank Crosstracks Merlin Locate Services, IRB, and the PI Institute for Education for sponsoring the show. Now, have you checked out Investigatorstoolbox.com yet? Remember, it only takes 49 cents a day to unlock the future of investigations. So make an investment in your business and yourself today. Use code PIP201836 to save an extra $20. And if you have a question or comment about the show, just email Matt at matthews at satellitepi.com. You can also find him on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. He'd like your feedback to bring you the best shows possible. We'll be back on Monday with a new show, so make sure you tune in. And once again, stay safe out there.